Hello, I'm Kami Yeshirabge, and this is the Buddhism Guide podcast. You can find more podcasts, blogs, videos, and guided meditation practices on the Buddhism Guide app. Download it for free from the Apple Store and Google Play. If you enjoy the Buddhism Guide podcast and would like to support future episodes, you can do so for as little as $2 a month. Visit patreon.com forward slash Buddhism Guide for more information. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-m dot com forward slash Buddhism Guide. This episode is called Eight Verses of Thought Transformation, Part 2. This is the second part of the Eight Verses of Thought Transformation. In this podcast, I discuss verses 5 through to 8. Verse 5. When others, out of jealousy, mistreat me with abuse, slander, and so on, I will practice accepting defeat and offering the victory to them. Usually, we would never accept defeat or offer victory to others because from a very early age, we've been taught to stick up for ourselves and fight back. If we didn't, people would look upon us as cowards. Accepting defeat and offering the victory to others doesn't mean that when somebody abuses us we have to accept it. Of course we don't. We can protect ourselves but we try to do so without anger or feeling of revenge. We protect ourselves by using the minimum amount of force possible. We love to have the last word, but when we accept defeat, we don't need to. We don't feel the need to prove ourselves or try and make others understand that we are right and the other person is wrong. We let go of the ego's incessant wish to prove itself. People can be jealous for a variety of reasons, not just because of our belongings, looks or wealth. Our mind knows no limits and can become jealous of anything. Just look at the things you get jealous about. It is truly astounding how petty the ego can be. If people verbally abuse us by saying mean things to us, talk about us behind our back, try to ruin our reputation spread rumours about us to other people, or generally gossip about us, instead of going out of our way to prove that person wrong, we simply drop the issue. When people gossip about us, we drop it. The more we start gossiping about them and trying to prove our case, the more fuel we add to the fire. There are certain situations when we do need to explain ourselves to the person who is spreading false stories about us. Sometimes these stories cause a lot of negativity and mislead others. In these situations, we need to go to the person and explain what actually happened. This is not done because we are attached to our reputation, but with concern for the person spreading the rumours and the people having to listen to them. There are times when we must explain things, but we do so without blaming or causing offence to the other person. 
If somebody spreads false stories, or even true ones about us, we become angry, upset, or condescending. Then mentally we need to accept defeat, because it is just our ego that dislikes having a bad reputation. We need to let go of our attachment to reputation and the need for approval. We're not letting ourselves become a doormat for everyone to walk over. We're just keeping our ego in check. If a situation arises where we do need to explain in order to clear the air, we do it out of compassion for others. Verse 6 When someone I have benefited and in whom I have placed great trust hurts me very badly, I will practice seeing that person as my supreme teacher. When someone we have benefited, who has been our friend, whom we have trusted, turns around and does something to hurt us, it's extremely painful. When people we have trusted steal our belongings, criticise us, break off a relationship, talk behind our backs, or stop loving us, we need to see them as our teacher and not an enemy. We don't have much to learn from someone who is making us happy. We already know how to smile, laugh and enjoy ourselves. But someone who has hurt us, disturbed our mind or made others think badly about us, they are the ones we can learn from. They are our teachers. What are they teaching us? Well, how to abandon our expectations, how to build compassion for others, letting go of clinging to a solid image of somebody else. They teach us patience that gives others the space to make mistakes. They're teaching us to recognise how imperfect the world is. They're showing us our own self-centeredness. They're making us face our demons and teaching us how to let go of those ego-driven demons. They are truly our supreme teacher. Verse 7 In short, I will offer directly and indirectly every benefit and happiness to all beings. I will practice quietly taking upon myself all their harmful actions and sufferings. We offer compassion and happiness directly to others by saying and doing things that affect them positively. This can be through charity work, helping some elderly person with their shopping, taking care of a sick person, or simply smiling at a stranger. We offer compassion and happiness indirectly by doing the taking and giving meditation. This is referring to Tonglen. We do this practice quietly without informing anyone. This keeps us humble and means we are doing the practice selflessly. We think about how others are suffering, either mentally, emotionally or physically, and we breathe their suffering in. We can breathe in their pain, disturbing emotions, anger, aggression, loneliness, attachment, guilt and so on. We then breathe out our heartfelt compassion to them. This is just a mental exercise and we're not actually taking on their pain and suffering. What we are doing is using their suffering and its causes to destroy our own self-grasping and self-centeredness. 
in other words, our ego, which is the cause of our own suffering. This meditation opens our heart, gives us compassion, empathy and liberates our mind. Verse 8 Without these practices being defiled by the stains of the eight worldly concerns, by perceiving all phenomena as illusionary, I will practice without grasping to release all beings from the bondage of their disturbing, untrained mind. Without these practices being defiled by the stains of the eight worldly concerns, means not doing the practices mentioned in the previous seven stanzas, hoping that you will get a good reputation, be approved of, or even praised. It is important that we do not carry out any of these eight verses with the eight worldly concerns lurking in our mind. The eight worldly concerns which seek the happiness of only this life are 1. Attachment to material possessions and money 2. Praise and approval 3. Good reputation 4. Pleasures of the six senses 5. Aversion to losing material possessions and money 6. Receiving blame or disapproval 7. Having a bad reputation. 8. Having unpleasant experiences. By perceiving all phenomena as illusionary means we have to meditate on their emptiness. When we arise from the meditation we recognise the appearance of true existence as a false appearance. While people and phenomena appear to truly exist they ultimately do not. Their appearance is deceptive or like an illusion. During meditation we need to look closely at an object such as a car and mentally take it apart. Once all the pieces are laying on the ground around you, ask yourself, where is the car? You can no longer find it. It is just a heap of different parts. So, a car is a mere label for something containing all the parts. There is no inherently existing car. We can do this with a person as well. The person does not inherently exist. They are just a coming together of many different parts. By seeing things as illusion-like, we can practice without any grasping at an inherently existent I or mine. And we stop grasping at inherently existent phenomena as well. By doing this, we free ourselves from the suffering brought on by attachment, because we understand that ultimately there is nothing to get attached to. We cannot change people if they do not want to change, but we can lead by example, hoping others will eventually follow. If we embody the eight verses of thought transformation, we can inspire and encourage others. This is how we can free them from the bondage of their untrained mind. However, to do that, we must practice these verses sincerely and continuously in order to integrate them into our mind. This brings us to the end of the commentary on the eight verses of thought transformation. But remember, you need to meditate on these verses 
and then implement them into your life. If you just meditate on them and don't implement them, they just become an intellectual exercise and that won't help you transform your thoughts or change your life. You can find more about this and similar subjects in my books The Best Way to Catch a Snake, Life's Meandering Path and Ripples in the Stream. They're all available now on Amazon and Kindle. Could I ask you to please rate and review the Buddhism Guide podcast as this will make it easier for others to find us. So, until the next time, Thank you so much for listening and bye.